My pleasure to join with you again for one more day of praying in united prayer for the advancement of God's kingdom. What are we today? Day 900 and something, 16? Not sure if that's exactly correct. But, you know, I was thinking of today, um, you know, we always start, of course, with a scriptural meditation that encourages us in the direction of revival and prayer. I mean, how long can this go on before we exhaust what the scriptures have to say about this topic? But I think that I'm um, probably all of you would agree with me that on this subject, I don't think we can ever exhaust the scriptures, right? Inexhaustible. So my text for today is Revelation 4 and 5. Go with me there, Revelation 4 and 5. This is the familiar throne room scene. And I want to walk through some of this together and then pause to draw three encouragements for our time of prayer together. So let's start in Revelation 4. And here I'm just going to cover this real quickly at high altitude because I want to draw the lessons from Revelation 5. So in Revelation 4, the apostle is in the spirit, the apostle John, and he sees him, he's, he finds himself in, in a throne room of heaven. And before him is a throne uh, in, in verse 3 of chapter 4. And sitting on that throne is the Lord God Almighty in absolutely overwhelming, dazzling glory like we've never seen. And before the throne are seven lamps. We're told in verse five, these are the seven, this is the sevenfold spirit of God, the, the all present, full, complete, perfect spirit of God. Around the throne are angels, these terrible angels who give endless praise, and all they do day and night is cry, holy, 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 and guard the holiness of the one who sits on the throne. Also around the throne are 24 elders, and they represent the church. What are they doing? They're just falling down in worship. And they take the crowns off of their own heads and lay them on the ground before the Lord God. So present in this throne room is God, the Father, the Spirit, and the Bride. But hey, where's the Son? Where's the Son? Okay, so now we get to Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the scrolls, break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or even under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. And in response, John wept. And web. You know, uh, there was a time when I was uh, younger when I did not understand what was going on here and why was John weeping? Like, so, so what if if no one can open this scroll? 
why is John so emotional? But I think I understand a lot better now. The scroll is God's plan to wrap up history in a perfect way. The seven seals, it, he's going to wrap it up and tie up every loose end. He will redeem the world from Eden's curse. He'll take authority back from each of the nations. He'll right every wrong, distribute perfect justice, grant perfect mercy. He'll wipe away every tear. And then finally, he will vindicate his holy, holy, holy name. But the problem is, nobody is worthy to open this scroll and execute this mission. No one's found. They looked everywhere and, and couldn't find anyone who would carry out this decree. So what's going on with John? Having experienced, witnessed himself, the absolute majesty of God, and knowing his power to redeem, and then encountering the pitiful human state of affairs with nobody to intervene, that's grievous to the soul, isn't it? You know, in Psalm 126, we read that those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. And you know what? I think I've never seen so much sowing in tears as I have with all of you. But the first encouragement or the first lesson I want to draw from this is that it's okay to weep. It's okay to weep over a situation that hurts for the absence of a redeemer. And it's even appropriate. <clears throat> you're in good company. You're in the company with the psalmist. You're in company with John, the apostle here. And we're in good company together. That's the first lesson. The second lesson, the second encouragement, uh, look then at verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David has triumphed, and he's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So an elder interrupts John's weeping, and he says to him, don't cry, because look, look, look over there. And he directs his gaze to something, someone, that John, John has not yet seen. And who is it? The lion of the tribe of Judah. That uh, Judah was that son of Jacob, whom he blessed with dominance, and he likened him to a lion. In Genesis chapter 10, Jacob says of that son, the scepter will not depart from Judah until he comes to whom it belongs. And finally, here in Revelation 5, he comes. The elder is pointing John to the one who fulfills that prophecy and said, look, he's come. And who is it? Of course, it's Jesus. Now the Trinity is complete and together in this throne room. The son is here. The elder says he's the root of David. That means his pedigree forever, for eternity, is anchored in the just claim to Israel's royal throne. He rules He's the king. And furthermore, he has triumphed. 
That means he's a conquering king. He's not competing with others. He's the high king of heaven, as the hymn says. He's prevailed and victorious over his foes, and he can bring that victory to his church. So may we be encouraged by this same elder. When we look at the way that the world is, we become aware of the injustice that pervades, and we wonder, I've, I've prayed it with you here, we wonder how on earth is a sleepy underdog church supposed to survive in this kind of environment? And how are we supposed to make an impact on this kind of darkness? Who knows the way forward? Who can bring the rule of heaven and set things straight? Who can open the scroll? And in the apparent absence of a redeemer hero, we can be utterly dejected and just, just give up. But this is the second encouragement that I want to draw. Stop weeping and look, look to Jesus, the Lion of Judah. That's what United Prayer is about, isn't it? In our praying here for revival, we are looking to the Lion to open the scroll. And we can pray with all boldness because the rule, in fact, belongs to him. And he has triumphed. Okay, so now the third and final encouragement I want to draw. Keep reading together in verse 6. And here's the surprise. See, with a title like this, the Lion of Judah, John probably turned his head expecting to see a creature strong and fierce, a lion dressed for war. But when John turns his gaze, he sees a lamb. What? Then I looked and saw a lamb, he says. A lamb is humble. It's weak. It's prey. It's not predator. The complete contrast to a lion in the animal world. And it's not just any lamb. John says it's a lamb looking as if it had been slain. So it was a sacrificial lamb whose life had been totally laid down for another. Look, he looks and he sees a lamb. And where's the lamb? Standing in the center of the throne. Wait, that the center of the throne, that's where God is. But now the lamb has occupied this place and receives the same worship that the living creatures, the angels and the elders had been giving to God Almighty. And he takes up that scroll. <laughs> yes. And he's going to open it and he's going to do it. And they sing in. Verse 9, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. Because you were slain. And, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Isn't that exactly our prayer in revival? God, extend your rule. Extend the rule of Christ to more tribes, more people, more nations, more languages. And bring them into the kingdom of priests to serve our God and reign on earth. That's our prayer. So the third 
A third encouragement here, look to the Lamb. The might of God is not in strength as we would have it, not in what we as humans would naturally conjure up. No, God's might is in meekness, a broken spirit, and a life laid down in humility. Okay, so again, just to summarize, one, it's okay to weep when you pray over situations that need a, a redeemer. Two, stop weeping and look to the to the lion of Judah. Pray boldly as his victory is, is yours. Three, look to the lamb. God's might is in humility and a life laid down. So I hope that this meditation helps us now in this next hour to pray with the help of the lion and the lamb. Amen.